Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. I'm joined today by Inside Texas' uh, Justin Wells. Justin, welcome aboard, bud. Good evening, Bobby. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> How are you doing today? Hey, uh, real quick, we got a bunch of stuff going on. This is going to be kind of a catch-all that we do with Justin. That's uh, a little bit of a recruiting uh, talk, portal talk in particular today with some news breaking, and then also some team information that we we grab and uh, throughout the week uh, and uh, put out there for uh, the readership at Inside Texas. Justin, uh, you have a Merry Christmas and everything, first off? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My son had a blast, and that's all that matters. As long as the five-year-old's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, that, well, it, as long as, yeah, the five-year-old and mama, you don't, don't forget. Well, it, it's, just, it's just him and I. It's okay. Just him and I. okay. Yeah, I don't I have to deal feeling. with her. All right, here we go. Um, let's talk about this right now. So I'm looking at um, the portal. Texas has offered two guys thus far. Uh, Isaiah Nayror was one they offered today out of Wyoming. Jared Verse out of Albany State, uh, the defensive end edge guy. They've offered those two. Uh, but uh, Eric, Paul Wadlington had an article about it. Eric and I discussed it. Jerry and I have discussed it as well. Um, this kind of holds to form what we thought Texas would do in the portal this year after already getting Quinn Ewers at quarterback and Ryan Watts at, at, as a defensive back, we thought they would go wide receiver, tight end, edge, tight end possibly, edge, look for an edge, a linebacker, and possibly a safety. So the two guys they just now offered here in the last week, uh, one is a wide receiver from Wyoming, uh, one is the edge guy from Albany, still no offer for a linebacker to, to our knowledge. Uh, a safety or a tight end. Um, so let's talk with let's talk about the one that they offered today, Isaiah Nayror. Uh, you know a little bit about him and covered him in high school. So, yeah, he he came he comes from Arlington Lamar. Uh, he was a guy that they uh, the coaches found walking around school. He all he did was run track and field most of his career. And they at 6'3", 180, they talked him into coming out to playing football. He didn't really like football. They talked him into coming out and playing. He played as a, as a junior on the junior varsity, uh, kind of learning the position in a little bit. Then played more as a, played on the varsity as a senior year. Uh, they had a wide receiver named Trayvon West that signed with OU, and he kind of overshadowed Nayor. He didn't get the kind of exposure that a kid that's 6'3", 180, and they can run like he can, usually does. And so uh, Wyoming was one of those schools that really, they were the one that pushed the most. He didn't have a lot of opportunities, weren't a lot of offers, a lot of, a lot of coll colleges calling him. But so he jumped on Wyoming pretty soon. He didn't screw around. He goes up there and, and, and plays for two years, had a great year this last year. Uh, he's one of those guys that he's a big play type of guy. He's an outside receiver. I'm told he's probably about six foot four, 210 pounds now. His main thing, uh, he told one of my sources, was he wants to develop as a wide receiver. He he kind of sees that he has the potential to play at the professional level now. And being such a late bloomer, such a guy that went under the radar for so long, now he's got some opportunities to, to do it a little bit bigger. Uh, he's gotten a ton of offers already. Uh, he's going to visit USC next week. I know he's going to visit Baylor after that. Tennessee is on the docket as well. And so uh, Texas jumped in the mix this morning with an offer. And, and he's a guy that could come in and, and, and feel that one of those outside spots that, that you know, we, we, we've seen kind of a, a carousel of different guys in the last 12 months. And he's a guy that Texas needs, especially if Troy O'Meara isn't going to be healthy or 100% come spring. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a stat line, Nayor's stat line at Wyoming. Wyoming losing their quarterback in the, the portal as well. Um, 44 catches this year for him, 878 yards. That's right at 19 plus a, a, uh, 19 plus a catch. Uh, and then 12 TDs. So a TD once every four times he's touching the ball. That, that's definitely big playability. Uh, any, any insight yet whether or not Texas would actually be a possibility for him? I know he's from Arlington Lamar, but any, any feedback yet from him on Texas? Not yet. We, we, that's something we're digging on right now. I actually reached out to him earlier today, uh, and I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from him. I think he there's an he does kind of have an idea that he wants to come. He wouldn't mind coming home. He wouldn't mind playing closer to home. Uh, that was one of his coaches I'd spoke with. They think that, that that's kind of an, uh, an allure, and that's why Baylor had jumped in when they did uh, to try to maybe keep him closer to home. But he's one of those kids that, you know, if he wants to come back, Texas is going to have him with, with, with wide open arms. I mean, this is a kid that can play. He's, he's got experience. He's he, he's he's just now starting to realize his potential, and he knows he can do that on a bigger stage. And so I think Texas is going to have a shot. I can't wait to speak with him later today to get a to get a, a better idea from his mouth. But just from who I've spoke with, he he's certainly a popular guy over the last few days. A lot of schools calling for him, and, and Texas jumped in the mix today. This reminds me of Josh Dotson. Remember him? Uh, yes, TCU. Uh, yeah, TCU. He went to Wyoming. Wyoming. Transferred yeah. back to TCU. Uh, another Metroplex kid from Mansfield area. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Nair over the next day or so, whenever Justin does get uh, in contact with him, uh, make sure uh, you're checking out InsideTexas.com. Justin will post that information uh, there. All right. Uh, let's talk about the next guy, the edge guy that they offered earlier in the week as well. Uh, I, and that is Jared Verse, uh, the defensive end out of Albany. That This is another one of those uh, late bloomers. You know, some of these kids don't figure out what they want to do till later, 17, 18, 19 years old, and they wind up being big potential superstars. That's what this kid is. He comes, he, he, I believe Albany was his only offer, about 6'4", 240 pounds. He's an edge guy. He's a guy that could come in and play. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Ray Thornton, a little bit of Ben Davis, kind of a guy that's kind of been through some college games. He's been through some experiences, and, and he's one that he is incredibly popular as soon as he hit the hit the portal. It's funny because I think you're going to see more and more of these players that are late bloomers that don't really jump off, that aren't recruited very much. They go to a smaller school. They have a couple great years, and it's like free agency. They're going to trade up, and I think that's what Jared Verse is doing. He's got double-digit offers already. He's got a ton of schools that want him, and, and, and that's for good reason. If you watch any of his tape from Albany, this, this is a guy that's explosive. This is a guy that can bend the edge. This is a guy that can come in and play immediately. And so I like how judicious Texas has been with their portal offers. They're not just throwing, throwing offers out to every kid that pops in there, especially ones that may be even regional. They're they're being, they're, they're being cautious with it. They're looking, they want specific guys for specific roles. And that shows that Sark and, and his personnel staff, they want to find fits, not just great players, but great fits for the program. Yeah, they're, they're clearly being, uh, you use the word judicious. Like they're not carpet bombing offers. Um, verse, uh, it looks, it sounded to me from the sound of it, he still has one visit left and Texas may or may not even get that visit though. I think so. Texas may have jumped in the mix a little too late. 
in, yeah. in, in that in that realm. And, and that's going to happen. These are guys that are kind of popping up out of nowhere. And, yeah. you know, not a lot of people knew about Verse a week ago. And so yeah. that's kind of the, 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 the bugaboo about it. Right. Interesting note, though, on, on both of these guys, just for people that follow recruiting, both of these guys were high school track guys that developed oh. as football players later. Um, Verse ran on the state, ran on his high school's four by one team at, at four by 100 meter team at six foot four. Or at the time, it says he's from uh, central Pennsylvania. He's Pennsylvania. six, three, two thirty uh, in high school when he was running on the, the four by 100 team. He uh, also ran the to, 100, the 200 and the 400. Yeah. So, <laughs> so file that away if you're a recruiting uh, you know, expert. So those are the two that they have offers out there right now that we're aware of in the portal. Obviously, uh, could be another wide receiver out there that they look at as well, um, a, a possible tight end, another linebacker. Uh, we shall see. Um, you know, one thing uh, I do want to mention before we get into some recruiting and some team stuff, uh, Longhorn basketball team won last night. Uh, they beat Incarnate Word 78 to 33. Uh, the Horns are now, I think, 13 and 2 ranked 17th in the country, but uh, two things to note. One is they play host to uh, Bob Huggins' West Virginia team at the drum uh, at 11 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning. Uh, Chris Beard, the new coach, has offered free mimosas to crowds that come out and visit at 11 a.m. Uh, that's number one. Number two is, and this is something that Jerry Hamilton uh, mentioned, he said when Texas got Dylan Disu back, they would be a, a little bit better team, uh, perhaps offensively. And uh, they're starting to show that a little bit, although they're still having some problems uh, with the three-pointer. But they are playing – I mean, anytime you hold a Division One team to 33 points, Horns are playing some good defense right now in basketball. That's a Chris Beard coach team. That's what you're going to see from these teams. They're going to play incredible defense, and they're going to be very deliberate on offense. It's going to be a motion style. It's going to be, you know, choose uh, choose your shot, shot selection. Be sure and, and go through your motions like – they're, they've got some big men that are going to play on play in the league. That it's simple as that. From from Timmy Allen, Dylan Bichu, like you said, they got some big guys, and I think that's going to help them once conference play starts on Saturday when when they host West Virginia. And plus the guard play, I, I think they're getting more accustomed to each other. A lot of times with bigs, it's just hanging out in the in the paint. With guards, there's a lot more uh, nuance to the game, and I think Marcus Carr and those guys are starting to kind of catch on a little bit you're not going to see a lot high scoring group this is not a team that's going to outscore a lot of guys but adding Dishu is certainly going to help uh you know help with in, in the box score uh, so justin uh, let's let's step back here there's something you contributed and you know, we talked said we we're going to talk about the team a little bit last friday in the humidor uh the weekly report that, that uh, you contribute to along with eric and and jerry uh on inside texas uh, you talked and, and had spoken to some sources about the coaching styles of individual coaches on the staff that I thought would be interesting to share with people and maybe uh, allow you to add a little bit more color to it. Um, obviously, we have sources on the team. Uh, some of those guys, just some of them and their parents or whatever, they just graduated. So they're more willing to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm just going to go down the list of, of assistant coaches and you had some interesting quotes on each of them. And I want to hear your thoughts and feedback of what the, the type of coach they were, their, their uh, uh, personality or demeanor. Uh, and let's just start at, at the top with Steve Sarkeesian. What, what was your feedback that you got from former players there? 
really with, with, with Sark, it was just, it, 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 you know, we, we've heard this a lot, but it's true. He's genuine. He's authentic. Um, you know, I, I've had the, the pleasure of meeting Coach Sarkeesian and, and speaking to him a number of times, uh, you know, in, in watching high school football games, you know, covering different things, covering different things. And he's very approachable. You know, I, I you know, I, I started and it was Mac Brown and Mac Brown kind of had a, a big barrier around everybody. He wanted to control everything. Then you had Charlie Strong and he he, he, he was a great guy, but he, he was one of those, if you didn't know him, you, you weren't going to get to know him. And then you had Tom Herman, who is the polar opposite of Steve Sarkeesian from a personality standpoint. He's approachable. And I think I think your head coach kind of needs to be that way. I, I know some of these players had issues over the last few years where they wanted to go talk to their head coach. They wanted, it's not just your position guy. It's, it's the guy leading the troops. And sometimes you want to have that relationship with him, especially if you want your program to grow with Sarkeesian, that door is open and it's, it, it, it's, it's not talk. He lets those guys come in. He lets them explain at the end of the year, when they did all the evaluations, the one-on-one -on -one evaluations, he let those guys speak their mind, tell him what they thought they did well, what they did didn't think they did well, what they can improve on. To me, that's a, that's a, that's a sign of a really good leader. He's bringing in, he's giving these guys some ownership because he's trying to grow leaders. He's bringing these guys in, he's listening to them. And at the end of the day, his decision is going to be the final decision, but he gives those guys a say. And in my opinion, from talking to those guys, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing with Sark is that he's approachable. If they have an issue, they can come up and talk to him and he keeps it real with them. And I think that's huge, especially for 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. What about Kyle Flood? You had some interesting stuff on him as well. Flood was the guy that, you know, he's very direct. He's very direct in, in what he wants in his development. He feels like development is the pillar of everything. They have to get, be at a bar. They have to be at a base and they have to improve each time that's a big thing for him you know he's put he's put a lot of guys in the league and a lot of these offensive linemen that just signed in the 2022 class one of the best groups in the country uh, overall that's why they signed they they really connect with coach flood you know kelvin banks committed to oregon in, in, in on july 4th but that didn't stop that didn't stop Flood from talking to him. They still built that relationship. He still stayed close with his mother and his father and all those things. And I think with the big fish that's left on the hook with Devon Campbell, that's what's going to help Texas in that recruitment. It's that relationship they built. And it's his ability to be direct, to tell them, to show them how they want it done. You know, in the past, Herb Hand would tell them, I want it this way. But he wouldn't really show them. He wouldn't really explain it to them. He would think, well, this is, you know, you're, you're supposed to know this. Flood doesn't do that. He explains why this works. He explains why he's doing this. And he does it in a direct manner. The players really respect that. It, it, it was, it, it's almost like you kind of take it for granted when coaches are that way because you think they're supposed to be. But for a couple of years, this group hasn't had that. And so when, when Flood came in, he made a big difference, not only in these, these guys on the team now, but in this 2022 uh, recruiting class, there's a reason they secured one of the best groups in the country. It's because of Kyle Flood. Let me ask you about let me ask you about Bo Davis. Uh, he uh, he, of course, everybody saw his fiery attitude. If you follow Texas football in the the video that leaked uh, post Iowa State um, game from him on the bus, uh, what was what was the feedback of, of former players on on Bo Davis and his mentality? Bo Davis does not care about your feelings. He does <laughs> not care. This is a grown up business. He feels like you're in a grown-up society, you're in a grown-up environment, and he does not care about your feelings. He cares about one thing, winning. 
that's it. He wants to win. This is a guy that I thought it was kind of funny. He, all he cares about is improvement and winning. That's, that, that was the main thing that he had talked about. One, one of my sources said, you know, he can use colorful language from time to time. And I think every staff needs one of those guys. You don't need everybody cussing because then it, it really goes on deaf ears. But if you got one guy that can throw out a handful of F-bombs and really get the attention of these young players, it's Bo Davis. And I kind of like that from your defensive line coach. You want him to be kind of nasty because the defensive linemen, they want to take on that, 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 that persona. They want to be a, you know, representative of the position coach. You want them to be nasty. And just talking to guys close to, to coach Davis, they like him because they know he's going to be honest. He doesn't care how you feel. You know, if you've got an issue, you can always come to him and talk to him, but don't make excuses. Don't and damn sure don't pretend about the portal because we all know how he feels about that. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. All right, what about the D, uh, secondary coach, uh, cornerbacks coach Terry Joseph? Terry's one of those guys that I think he's he's kind of a Tony Dungy type, and and where he doesn't holler. You're not going to hear this guy raise his voice too much. He's not going to use colorful language. He's going to speak to you in a more respectful manner. That's just not, not that there's one way to do it or the other. That's just the way Coach Joseph is. He, he's done this a long time. I, I think he's really got the trust of those corners. I think that was a big thing because there'd been a, a lot of different coaches coming in in the last few years. And, and I know Jason Washington tried to do the best he could. I know he helped with a, a lot of Charlie's old guys with Holton Hill, Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd and those, those groups. But these corners needed somebody to not scream at them. They needed somebody that wasn't going to holler. They needed somebody that was going to just relate to them, talk to them, kind of fill out where they were at. Coach Joseph does that. He's not a raw, raw guy either. He's a, he's Tony Dungy. His voice is going to be at this level. He wants you to listen to it at this level. So he doesn't have to raise it. And when he talks, they listen. That's interesting. Yeah. They, they got, you know, thinking about this right now, they, that was one of the, the, the cornerbacks were not horrible in, in 2021, uh, but the defense as a whole was um, in my opinion. And that leads me to Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator. What was the feedback? Some of the players, gave you there. And I'm not trying to pick on the, the defensive coordinator. I'm just trying to get an understanding of his personality and, and his approach on, on nope. game day and, and uh, in practice. We didn't, we, we can honestly say we didn't see what we wanted to see from the defense in 2021. And I think coach PK would be the first one to tell you that he is Mr. Dad jokes. He, he's kind of the old fogey of the bunch. And he, and he's a guy that's been around the block a lot. And these, you know, no matter how bad the defense looked this year, they still, they still respect Coach PK. They still love PK. They, they, they think the guy knows what he's doing. He just has to get the right pieces of the puzzle to, to fit everywhere. And so they're, they're, they like him. If you talk to recruits, I've talked to a couple of defensive recruits recently, and everyone I says, you know, who really stands out on the staff? Well, Coach PK. They love Coach PK because he's got this kind of calm demeanor about him. He's older. He's established. He's, kind, he's been there. He's been around the block. And so – you know, maybe we're used to seeing DCs being a lot more fiery, a lot more in your face because you're playing, you know, you're coaching the defense. You guys got to be aggressive. You got to get after it. PK's kind of the, the opposite of that. He, he's the Mr. Dad jokes. He's, he's kind of a dry humored kind of guy. He, he's got a fun personality, but in a dry sense. And, and a lot of times with, with, with college kids, it's hard to relate. I think that's why they kind of consider him like a dad kind of with the way he jokes and, and things of that. But 
I'll say this. They didn't have the production that they wanted this year on, de on defense. PK would be the first one to tell you that, but they're still standing behind PK. They still believe in his message they still believe in what he's doing and to me as long as the buy-in is still there you can tell all the old man jokes you want what about jeff banks the tight end coach recruiting guy uh heavily uh, widely considered a, one of the better recruiting guy recruiters on the staff wild wild <laughs> and, and i don't think i need to tell you that i don't think the the, the, the viewers need to, to to know that that's not anything breaking but i'll say this this is one of the, the coolest things i'd heard I, you know, talked to somebody that was close to the team and they said that Jeff Banks convinced this program that there are three levels to the game. It's not just offense and defense. Special teams is as important as the other two. He has convinced this team of that. They think he's a genius. They think this guy puts guys in different situations and, and finds adjustments, finds tendencies, uh, picks up little things of that sort. And that's not even talking about his recruiting. I mean, this guy wakes up at 5 a.m. Uh, recruiting, goes to bed at 10 p.m. recruiting. I mean, this guy does it relentlessly. It's There's a reason he's so, you know, uh, renowned for his recruiting. It's because he just doesn't stop. I mean, and you don't have to get into his background with it, you know, with, you know, with his, with his girlfriend, wife, the monkey, all that kind of stuff. You just need to know the players really bought, bought into what he's doing. They really like what he's doing. They believe special teams is just as important as any other position. And that to me is the most telling of all convincing college guys that special teams is as important as other things. Jeff Banks has done that. He's earned his keep, I believe. He's done a great job with this 2022 class, and I can't wait to see how he does with 2023. Yeah, I, I mean, just it sounds like just in total, uh, we left a couple of coaches out that I didn't see if you had gotten quotes on. Uh, Jeff Choate, the, the linebackers coach, and Blake Gideon, of course. I know Blake a little bit. Um, but it sounds like uh, Sark has constructed a, uh, a group of coaches that kind of fit well together and each play their own little role within the psyche or the mentality of the team. And I think that's a, that's a good sign uh, for, for the future, I think, because uh, those guys got to work as one unit, uh, not as individuals uh, when it comes to pass. Be interesting to see uh, what Texas does at the wide receivers coaching position here coming up. That's going to be something else that we're following on inside Texas uh, as we go forward. Um, I also want to mention uh, Jerry Hamilton will be at the Under Armour practices uh, both, I think they they start tonight and tomorrow. Is that right? Tonight and tomorrow, yes, sir. Yeah, Jerry and I are going to do a special recruiting update tomorrow when he's live in Orlando uh, for that. Uh, but real quick, while I got you, um, Justin, Devon Campbell, Amari Abor, Harold Perkins, Jacoby Matthews, those probably the four, and then Larry Turner Gooden, maybe Ernest Green. Those are the the primary high school guys Texas is still looking at. We, we've talked about Devon Campbell, Texas OU. Uh, we think Texas leads there, uh, but he's not expected to announce, at least not right now until signing day. What about Abor? Anything new or what is the absolute latest on him that you've heard? Last time I spoke with Abor was at the end of the state championship after they lost a, a heartbreaker again to North Shore. He was definitely down, but he showed his mature side. He knows he knows there's, a next, there's another game, there's another day. And so I was really thankful to get to speak to him kind of at length after the game. And basically what he explained to me was that, you know, he, Ohio state was the school and it still could be the school that still could be his choice. But when they, when they made a change on the defensive coaching staff, 
he felt a little dishonest. It felt it was a little dishonest. It wasn't as trustful. And, you know, we heard the same thing from Terrence Brooks and, and, and his group that they didn't like the way Ohio State had handled that. And so I think Abor took a step back and decided to reevaluate a couple other schools that he didn't really put a lot into, Texas, OU, possibly maybe even A&M. And along the way, he kept building a great relationship with, with Coach PK. You know, we talked about him earlier. The one guy I asked Abor about, who's the one guy on the staff you really connect with? He said, it's Coach PK. He said, Coach PK knows what he's doing, but better than that, he knows what he wants in each spot. And so he's trying to find the right fits for each for each individual position. And, and that, that you know, that kind of, that resonates when, when, when the team, I asked him, you know, were you surprised they went five and seven and, and, and signed a top five class? He said, no, not really. He talks to those guys. He talks to those coaches, those recruits. He, he wasn't surprised at all. And so I think Texas is squarely back in this recruitment. To what extent, that remains to be seen. I, I checked in with a source in Dunkerville a couple of days ago, just kind of a little checkup to see how Abor was doing. He hadn't said much about anything. You know, he's trying to get back. He's playing basketball this year, and, and he wants to do that. That's something he's always done, and it's something that translates on the football field as well. But, I, you know, right now I still think it's probably Ohio State, but by the way, he spoke the other day. I think he's more open than he lets on, and I can't wait to hear what, what Jerry gets from him uh, when he's there in Florida. Gotcha. Um, we talked about Jacoby Matthews the other day. It sounds like Florida's making a run now that Billy Napier moved from Lafayette, uh, to, from Louisiana Lafayette to Florida. Uh, Corey Raymond, the defensive back coach at uh, uh, LSU, also following Napier to Florida. Uh, whether or not that actually has the impact that Napier does, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Larry Turner Gooden, the safety out of uh, California, Ernest Green, both playing in all-star games. We should hear them as well. Uh, Harold Perkins, we haven't heard much of this, the uh, linebacker safety uh, prospect out of Cy uh, Park. Um, he's down in uh, Orlando this week as well, I believe. So hopefully Jerry is able to give us an update from there. All right. Thanks, uh, Justin, for the update on Isaiah Nayar. That was kind of breaking news. Uh, looks like he's more realistic for the Longhorns than Jared Verse, the defensive end edge guy at this time. Uh, probably a little bit because of proximity of hometown. Uh, but I, I'm going to say this, Texas, Nayar went, went to Arlington, uh, Lamar High School. Texas did exceedingly well in the Arlington area this year um, and is on track to do well next year in Arlington already with the, the commitment of Jamil Johnson. So uh, we'll have to see just how well uh, Texas gets in there for the, for the speed. I'm a little transfer. worried about Lincoln and, and Southern Cal. I really yeah. am because – USC needs they've got a couple dudes but not like Riley's used to and so I'm a little leery about that visit as well I can't wait to catch up with him and, and be able to give you a better report okay great all right so for Justin Wells of Inside Texas I'm Bobby Burton if you like these videos please hit subscribe in the bottom right hand portion of your screen or or and or please consider subscribing to InsideTexas.com that's where you can get the best of Justin Wells each and every day as well as myself uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.